Welcome to Gender Pitch, where we feature storytelling between women focused on sharing personal narratives about the often complex and unpredictable journey of being a woman in a global world. These powerful audio diaries bond, teach, and entertain a community of culturally diverse women who understand that there is power in our collective voices. Speak up, say something, be heard. Her voice matters. Now, let's get right to it. Hey everybody, welcome to Gender Pitch. Thanks for joining us again today. We've got a great story. A uh, listener named Susan wanted to share her feelings of grief and nostalgia. I was reading an article on Oprah.com. Why looking at a photo can ease loneliness and grief. Alison Gilbert, the author, had a lot to say about nostalgia. In 1688, she writes, Swiss doctor Johannes Hofer coined the term to describe the persistent sadness and sometimes irregular heartbeats experienced by young people abroad. Their emotional and physical ailments, he wrote, were stirred by continuous vibration of animal spirits through those fibers of the middle brain. Later, military physicians treating Swiss mercenaries, a group seen as particularly vulnerable to the ailment, theorized that it resulted from damage to their eardrums and brains from the incessant clanging of cowbells in the Alps. Since then, of course, nostalgia has been variously classified as a compulsive disorder and a form of depression. But these days, it's simply defined as a sentimental longing for the past. Henry Louis Gates Jr., PhD, the Harvard professor who created the genealogy show Finding Your Roots, said that nostalgia is a way of testifying to our loved ones' continuing existence. When we understand its powers, Gates says, we recognize that they haven't passed on, they've passed into us. We used to think it best to keep memories at bay because they were too painful. This is old thinking. We're going to share a little bit of a listener's story, her feelings of nostalgia and her feelings of grief and how she's getting along today after a recent death in her family. Twenty twenty has been a challenging year for me, as it has for many. It started out the way January usually does. I prepared my online classes, began teaching them, and grappled with the winter weather. In February, my dad died suddenly. It was difficult, but not shocking. On the whole, we were grateful that he had lived into his 90s. When I got back from the funeral, I took a week off from work, and then it was spring break. I didn't do much over break because I was feeling like being insular, but I did have brunch with some of my workmates. Over brunch, we found out that our school might be closing down, and then a couple hours later found out, indeed, it was going remote. Most of the county was closing down, as were various states at the time. The early isolation was an adjustment. Though slowly over time, I adapted. I was grateful to have my husband and his company, and we settled into excessive movie watching. And we're both media professionals, so that means we could even consider that movie watching to be work. And of course, we ate lots of home-cooked meals and treats. Lots and lots of treats have been helping us get through the pandemic. Like many, I've had ups and downs in handling the situation. 
In midsummer, some of our East Coast friends drove out and formed a pod with us. It was such a nice relief to be able to interact with three-dimensional friends. And as I remember this, I breathe deeper and feel appreciative. I took many photos during the visit, as I always do. In fact, in general, I over-photograph everything. My phone has about 8,000 pictures on it, and I decide I should delete the majority of them after copying them onto my computer, of course. The goal was to keep the images I especially cherish so I could find them when I really wanted to more easily rather than dealing with all the clutter. I was pleased when I got down to 2,000. That night my husband fell asleep early and I was wide awake well past midnight. I had been sleeping a bit too much over the past few weeks and this was my payback. Sleep is a coping mechanism for me and while I thought I had been handling everything fairly well, it still wasn't ideal. And I didn't realize how far from ideal I was until I opened up my phone and started looking at photographs. The first image is one of my favorites of me and my husband. Then I see a picture a great uncle created. I think it's a chalk drawing. He was also a cartoonist. I didn't actually know my uncle, but I really like this image that's in my mom's house, so I photographed it. And it makes me think, maybe I should take up painting during the pandemic, or at least go back to drawing like I did in high school and college. Creatively express myself. What better time? I swipe left and I see my mom and dad. My stomach muscles tighten a bit and I wonder if I'm ready to feel open to the feelings I may have at seeing my dad and registering that he's no longer alive. I slow my breath and open myself up and find that I'm not feeling particularly sad. Instead, I notice the sweetness of the photo. My dad is kissing my mom's cheek and she's looking at the camera with a small smile on her face. There's a cake in the foreground of the dining room table we're celebrating my dad's birthday along with my birthday. I swipe again, and now my dad's also looking at the camera. I take in the energy being expressed by my dad and enjoy how both of them are smiling. On the next picture, they're both wearing even bigger smiles, and I feel nostalgic appreciation. One more swipe, and they both have big grins, and I mirror that. Feeling love for both of them and feeling their love for me. I keep moving through the pictures and I land on a house in Logan Square, decked out in holiday lights. The house is glowing blue, white, purple, and red. There's angels and reindeers. I've come to photograph this house several times. It's delightfully decorated and its radiance rubs off on me. I'm a person drawn to pleasures of color and lighting. My home office is painted lilac. It's very unsophisticated. I didn't choose a fashionable gray or taupe. I picked a cheerful color one might put on a child's wall. It radiates happiness in the sunlight and it cheers up my winter blues. On gray days, I turn on the halogen light and it's almost like phototherapy. You know, those special lamps that help alleviate depression. I find pictures from my Christmas trip to my sister's. She lives near San Francisco. Every year I rent a hotel room and her two kids stay with me. I'm tight with my nephews, and seeing them boosts my spirits higher. I chuckle as I see the younger one. He's climbed into the television cabinet, his head tilted out, upside down, a playful laugh on his face as he realizes he still fits in there. Next is his brother hiding under the bed. We like to goof around, jump on the bed, play hide and seek. Last year, their friend Sean stayed with us at the hotel. 
and it made me so happy that they suggested we play hide-and-seek again. They're teenagers now, and I'm really glad that they're not embarrassed to suggest some silly games in front of their friend. But they're definitely teenagers. They spend most of their time playing video games and watching YouTube, which I'm trying to adjust to. Part of me just wants to shout out, hey, stop doing that and pay attention to me. Because when they were younger, their attention was always on me, and I miss that. Certainly it was exhausting, but mostly I cherish it. As I see more holiday photos, I like how bonded I am with my nephews, and I think about how it's quite similar to the bonds my sister and I feel towards our uncle. My uncle has a special place in my heart. Then I wonder what Christmas will be like this year. I certainly can't see flying to California. Looking at the past celebrations, I feel grateful for my sister and my uncle and their families, despite the uncertainties this year. My sister and husband cook up a storm and nourish me with all sorts of goodies. I'm pretty simple. Feed me, and I feel love. Likewise, my aunt and uncle, who host Christmas, cook up an amazing meal every year. The kids are getting older, and it's striking that much of the chaos of their younger years has dissipated. I see photos of my oldest cousin, Karen, wearing these big, fluffy, bright yellow Pokemon slippers and immediately grin. There's one where she's dyed her hair blue, and I'm glad that she feels free to have fun expressing herself. Her sister Claire comes back to the hotel with me and the boys, and our slumber party grows even bigger. There's even more giggling now, silly pool games. I myself stick to the warmth of the hot tub. There's an image of Claire with her infectious grin, plate of waffles held up in front of her mouth. She's just learned how to make her own mini waffles at the hotel self-serve dining room. I've taken a deep breath and I put down my phone and I peacefully smile. My breathing continues to be full and slow. I realize how energized and elated I feel. I'm way too awake at 1 a.m. and my brain is bouncing around. As I become more self-aware, it dawns on me how happy I am right now, how open-hearted, how much love I'm feeling. And I realize that for the past several weeks, I've been somewhat shut down. Sure, I've been coping okay enough, but I haven't been fully emotional. I've been pragmatic and task-oriented. It's understandable that I've been on coping mode. We're in a pandemic. Plus, my school has announced numerous layoffs in December, and I don't know what that means for me. By comparison this evening, though, I'm more grounded, more open to my experience, more alive. I find myself wanting to stay in this place. This time spent looking at people I admire has opened me up, has helped me meditate on the love that I feel and the love that they feel towards me. Through these photographs, I'm brought back to moments of connection as we all cope with the struggles we face. I hope that you can at times find your way back to an open-hearted place if you're not there now. This might mean feeling pissed off and annoyed with the world around you. And it may also mean opening yourself up to experiencing compassion for yourself and for others. I hope that you too can find ways to feel joy and love and peace. Hey ladies, ever just wanted to talk about something painful or something funny that's happened to you? What stories are you holding inside? 
Gender Pitch, the podcast, wants to hear them. You don't have to be a professional storyteller to tell your truth. Just record it and share it with a community of women just like you at genderpitch.com. Your story will become a part of a collection of audio diaries where women share life's experiences and how they've managed to move forward. Join us on a journey of self-discovery, realizing you're not alone. Gender Pitch, available now on Spotify. Turns out nostalgia is pretty complicated. I've been told that I've always been nostalgic. My mom said I've always loved old music and recounting old times. I haven't talked with her in a long time. But being nostalgic does make me happy most times. But sometimes, particularly more recently, for a number of reasons, it makes me feel sad. But I do think it's perfectly normal. As long as you don't stay in the negative feelings and instead relish in the positive ones. I want to thank Susan for sharing her story. I'm sure that it's helped a number of us think about the past, but also see the positiveness of moving forward. Our podcast is available on Spotify and is coming soon to iTunes. So spread the word. Your voices need to be heard. Thank you for joining us today. And I want to thank the South Bend Museum of Art for helping me launch this project. I'm honored to be included in the Dear Hans exhibition, which is a part of the Blurring Borders show at the SBMA. So please be sure to visit them in South Bend or simply navigate to southbendart.org to experience the museum virtually. Thanks for listening. Be sure to also upload your stories at genderpitch.com so that everyone can experience what you've experienced. And by doing so, helping people work through situations that they might be going through. This podcast is meant to be somewhat therapeutic, but also fun, as long as we're sharing with the community of women, supporting and helping each other grow. See you next time. Thank you to everyone who has submitted their story. At Gender Pitch, we realize that sharing your experiences isn't always easy, but we know that your story might just encourage someone to laugh, cry, or even share their truth. Remember, you're not alone, so speak up, say something, be heard. Her voice matters.